Mr. President, members of the Board of Trustees, members of faculty and staff, graduates, specially invited guests, ministerial colleagues, ladies and gentlemen. I bring you greetings from the Caribbean, and in particular from the General Board of Administration of the Wesleyan Church, and the Wesleyan family across the 20 countries or so of the region in which we have a presence and some measure of ministry. Let me take the opportunity as well to indicate that in 2016, I believe, we will have the privilege in Barbados to host the International Conference of the Wesleyan Church. And we certainly look forward for the usual support of the Canadians, the Americans, South Americans, and the rest of the family across the world who will converge in Barbados for that significant celebration. Let me say that indeed it is a signal honor and privilege to have been asked to share with you the graduating class on this significant occasion. And certainly I would wish to express my own appreciation to all those concerned and to thank the Board of Trustees and the relevant parties for the special honor bestowed on me a few minutes ago. It was some 34 years ago that I, I sat where you sat as an undergraduate anticipating our graduation. And uh, I can say that today, today the, the, the call, the call to ministry and the impact and the commitment of that call remains a very special and significant undertaking. I therefore believe I am somewhat equipped and qualified to briefly share with you from my knowledge and experience after some 35 years or so of active pastoral ministry, um, beginning just a year prior to my actual graduation. And I want to thank, like you, that esteemed institution, Caribbean Western College, which has helped to shape my personal life and ministry over these many years. And so this morning, I would take the opportunity to share with you on the simple topic, in a sort of motivational way, in the simple, on the simple topic, musings on ministry. Musings on ministry. And I wish to draw your attention to the words of the Apostle Paul, it's found in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, and I quote, he said, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, for that he counted us faithful, putting me into the ministry. And then there is a corroborative text. It's found in Romans chapter 1. In verse 16, and I quote again, he said, I am not ashamed 
of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so there are just four simple submissions which I wish to leave with you in the limited time available to me as I examine this topic, musings on ministry. Firstly, observe with me, observe with me what I call preparation time. Preparation time. Preparation time for ministry, that is. For most of you, if not all of you, this period of preparation over the past two to four years seemed rather long. And all of us have been there. And I have no doubt that some of you would have rather been out there preaching up a storm, as we say, doing ministry here and there. But preparation time was vital and is still vital. Jesus himself had to prepare for ministry as he went into the wilderness following his baptism and as he anticipated the strenuous tasks and challenging tasks which uh, lay ahead of him. But let me talk a little, let me talk a little about doctrinal preparation. Let me talk a little about doctrinal preparation. And I move from the basic concepts and basic tenets to the more advanced concepts and tenets. Again, if we may use the Apostle Paul, Paul, to my mind, had the fundamentals and the essentials right. You remember he said on one occasion, I preach Christ and him crucified. You recall that. He said that God had chosen to use the foolishness of the cross to confound the so-called wisdom of the wise and to save those who would believe. And to my mind, that is still one of the important emphases as we seek to minister, whether we preach, teach, or engage in our respective callings. The songwriter in that very old but yet meaningful song said, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith. I received my sight and now I am happy all the way. In fact, I wish to suggest to you that it was because Paul had the basics right that he was in a position to articulate the faith and defend the faith in the kind of ways that he did, whether he was dealing with the Judaizers or the Gnostics, or whether he was counteracting the philosophies of the Epicureans and the Stoics, or the views of the paganistic and the polytheistic um, 
persons and communities wherever he went. So preparation is vitally important, doctrinal preparation. But for you, and I think that you can identify with this as well, there was the preparation with respect to discipline. Discipline. And I must add that sometimes even in the context of the church, this question of discipline is a very difficult concept for some persons. But there was the discipline in terms of cultivating good study habits, which I must admit do not always come easy. There was the discipline in terms of obeying the rules and regulations of the university of which you are part and were part over the past few years. But there was the discipline in terms of cultivating those spiritual formation practices like prayer, the study of the word, and even chapel attendance. I, I don't know if it's mandatory here. And, and you, were, you had to do it despite a hectic and demanding academic schedule. But you did it. And I'm so glad that for a number of, number of you, or most of you, it was not just an academic exercise, but that the Holy Spirit graciously assisted you in actualizing those virtues. And today, you are better off as a result of that. But let me quickly talk about preparation in relation to discernment. Discernment. I am sure, uh, gracious uh, graduates, that you are aware of the challenges which we face within the context of the church, nationally and globally. And there are a myriad of these challenges, particularly as we seek to serve in these contemporary times. There's a different gospel. Paul talked about that. Paul talked about those who were committed to preach a different kind of a gospel. But he was prepared to defend, to articulate the gospel that he knew. That life-transforming gospel rooted in the cross and the impact of the cross. Rooted in the notion of the resurrection of Jesus who died but thank God rose again. Procuring our salvation. But then there's the diversity of faiths. This is a particular area, area I'm interested in myself because I've taught it for so many, many years within the context of secondary school where we prepare our students for external examinations in comparative religion. But whether you're talking about the Caribbean or whether you're talking about North America, we face the challenges of the diversity of faiths, the diversities of teachings. We face the challenge of the cultic and the occultic. And I would suggest to you that we need to be discerning because to some extent, this cross-fertilization and synchronization of, of views and perspectives have made their way as well into the Christian church. So we must be discerning. Musings on ministry, preparation time. 
But secondly, and quickly observe with me what I call projection time. Projection time. Again, I know I speak to you, graduates, and as you sit there, you are a bundle of energy. You are raring and ready to go. And even as you go, I challenge you to set meaningful goals for yourself within the context of ministry. And don't only set those goals, but focus on those goals. It is true that you may fail in the process, but let me remind you that failure is never final. Sometimes in your quest to fulfill that mandate which God has given you, you may fall short. But never say that you can't when God says that you can. In fact, Paul said, I can do, we can do all things through Christ who gives to us the strength. I can recall even as I speak, and I think I have it documented in my book, my first sermon lasted less than five minutes. <laughs> and there was a significant break in between. <laughs> and when I entered CWC in, in, I was just about 19, there was not much that I had to show in terms of great involvement in ministry. But one thing that stood out, there was a tremendous sense of call, a tremendous sense of God's enablement, a tremendous sense of God's power in my life, and certainly the rest is history. But I want you to challenge, to challenge you as well to stay focused, not only set meaningful goals, but to stay focused. Being focused is a term that we hear a lot in a lot of circles. But we must stay, stay current, rather. Stay current. Stay focused and stay current. Keep abreast of the trends and the issues. Our colleagues spoke about this, I think, yesterday in the interaction time we had with the pastors and ministers. That we must keep abreast of the trends and the issues. Give ourselves continually to study. Study that you may be in the best position possible to explain the faith and defend the faith and to make a difference in your church, in your country, and certainly in the world of which you are a part. The third and quickly, settle for nothing less than the best. Do you hear me? Settle for nothing less than the best. I believe that you are aware of the excellent tradition of this noble institution. And you are a part of this legacy and heritage. You're aware of the number of persons who have passed through these halls and who today are a credit to the Wesleyan Church and by extension a credit to the Christian Church. And these persons have served and are serving strategically in the various callings, not just in North America, but across the world. And we want to thank God for this.
So as you do this, brothers and sisters, as you strive to settle for nothing less than the best, avoid the path of mediocrity. Sometimes there is the perspective, albeit in the minority, that as we seek to serve our God, that we do it any old how as we say. But I say no. And I, and I believe, having been nurtured in these, this institution over the past years, that you have come to understand that nothing but excellence is expected of you. And that you're going out there highly motivated to perform excellently and to do the best that you can for the betterment of others, but more so for the advancement of the kingdom of God. So avoid the path of mediocrity, accentuate the positive, aim for the stars. What are we talking about today? Musings on ministry. We talked about preparation time, projection time. But thirdly, and quickly, and somewhat repetitiously, consider with me what I call priority time. Priority time. Let me again suggest to you, as our speaker suggested last night, that the condition of the world in which we live suggests to us and demands of us that we seize the moment. Are you with me? That we seize the moment. So for you, there must be no idleness. Sometimes we take some pride in the fact, oh, I am now a graduate. And then a few years down the road, we do not see the results of your training. But there must be no idleness. So we will go on to the next level in terms of academics. We will go on to the next level in terms of service. We will do all that we can the best way we can and while we have the time to do it. No idleness, no laziness. In fact, I, I believe that the Christian at heart cannot be known as a slowful person or as a lazy person or as a person who is an eye servant. An eye servant gives you, quote unquote, the best service while you are in his or her presence. But the true worker, the highly motivated worker, the genuine worker works while you are there or not. Because he, he has a motivation beyond what the eye can see because he's serving and working for the king of kings and lord of lords. So no idleness, no laziness, no lack of industriousness. But we must also be committed to the spread of scriptural holiness throughout the lands and throughout the world. This is part of our mandate as Wesleyans. We still believe that God can keep us holy in this world. We still thank God for the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit who cleanses us, equips us, separates us to our holy calling. Thank God for the reality of that experience. But finally, 
And I believe I've already uh, got over my time. But finally, examine with me what I'm simply calling payback time. Can you identify with that? Payback time. You give back. You give back. You give back to God. You give back to your church. You give back to your community through the practical application of the gifts and the skills that you have. Paul adequately discussed the role of the gifts and some other writers as well. And they made it very clear that the gifts were not given to make us look good. But the gifts were given to us so that we may help others. We may edify the body of Christ. We may assist in maturing others. And so I say to you, use your gifts appropriately. Use your gifts relevantly. Use your gifts well. But you know, it dawned on me, and I wish to challenge you with this, that you can pay back through the promotion of this institution. I mean, we have the social media. We have the mass media in its different forms. But nobody can promote Kingswood University like you. You, the graduates. And I want to challenge you to do just that. Because certainly the positives that you are taking away from this institution far outweigh the negatives. You not only have a credible uh, diploma or award, but you've had a life-changing experience here. You have met lifelong friends and companions, I understand. And therefore, wherever you go across Canada, across America, across South America, throughout the Caribbean, throughout the world, Kingswood University should be what? On your lips. But not just the institution, because you cannot promote the institution of vacuum. You promote the cause which we represent in terms of holiness. We promote the cause in terms of letting men and women know that Jesus Christ still saves and satisfies. And that he is still very much a relevant entity. And that when all others fail, there is no failure in Jesus. That is the message we bring. That is the message we declare. And you must be committed to the perpetuation and the propagation of that message. But let me say to you, brothers and sisters, finally, that you can, you can pay back through what I call the possession of a global vision. The possession of a global vision. I think of the words of Wesley. Wesley made it very clear the world was his parish. And of course, globalization has broken down the walls of distance. Because technologically, in fact, today, more people are hearing the gospel than ever before. Today, more literature is being published than ever before. Today, men and women are still responding to the call, still hearing the voice of God speaking as he spoke to Isaiah. 
And thank God you are among that number who said, God, I am available. Here am I. When Isaiah heard the voice, whom shall I send and who will go for me? He responded, oh God, here am I. I am available. Send me. And thank God you are among that number who responded similarly. I must admit, if I may just divert or digress a bit, I, I am very pleased with what is happening in the Wesleyan Church, even at the global level. Because there's a movement. There's a new sense of expectation. There's a new sense of belonging. And I'm prepared to have that vision come to fruition in my own sphere. We understand that whether we're in the Caribbean or whether we're in Africa or Europe or North America, that we are all part of a great church, a great church called the Western Holiness Church. In fact, our theme in the Caribbean is one church, one family. And I'm happy that despite differences in culture, language, etc., that there's a commonality about us. Um, there's a bond that makes us stronger because what we, of what we believe, because of what we commit ourselves to, but because of this great church which has served us and served us well these many, many years. And so I wish to extend congratulations to all of you. And I wish to close with a, a song which has meant much to me for so many, many years. Simple song by Mary Brown. She said, if I may just quote about two stanzas or so. She said, it may not be on the mountain high, nor over the stormy sea. It may not be at the battle's front, my Lord will have need of me. But if by a still, small voice he calls, to worlds I may not know. I'll answer there, Lord, with my hand in thine, I'll go where you want me to go. And then in the last answer, this is what she said. There's surely somewhere a lowly place in earth's harvest field so wide, where I may labor through life's short day for Jesus the crucified. So trust in my all to thy tender care, and knowing thou lovest me, I'll do thy will with a heart sincere. I'll be what you want me to be. And the refrain says, I'll go where you want me to go there, Lord. Or a mountain, or plain, or sea. I'll say what you want me to say there, Lord, and I'll be what you want me to be. I speak to future leaders in your respective spheres, future initiators. I trust that your latter will be greater than your former, and that you go out to be great, great ambassadors for Kingswood University great ambassadors to the Wesleyan Church or whichever other church to which you're affiliated. 
but more so great ambassadors for God. The word of God. Thank you.